Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Today, I think I will be busting several very unusual myths, and I will be doing that with the help of uh, my guest, Dr. Carlene Gribble. Dr. Gribble, welcome to the show. Hi, Marie. Thanks very much for having me. A true pleasure. Now, for those of you who might not know, Dr. Carlene Gribble is an adjunct associate professor in the School of Nursing and Midwifery at Western Sydney University, and she's also a member of the Infant and Young Child Feeding in Emergencies Core Group and an Australian Breastfeeding Association community educator and counselor. She has several research interests, and I'm going to uh, sort of truncate this because I don't want to take too much time introducing her. I want to tell you, though, I have got a pile, and I mean a pile, of Dr. Gribble's work in front of me, but I think that you'll enjoy the fact that she's very down-to-earth and very practical-minded as we take on this topic today, which is about emergency preparedness. Now, honestly, when I first heard all of the hype about emergency preparedness, shame on me, my first reaction was, well, what's there to be prepared about? Uh, there's an emergency. The baby breastfeeds. The mother has got two breasts. They don't require any electrical power. <laughs> what's the problem? And honestly, uh, since then, I've really gotten myself in a very different frame of mind because it's astonishing to me when you read Dr. Gribble's work, what she has done to show you that, as a matter of fact, there's a lot of preparation that we need to be thinking about, not because babies can't breastfeed, but because other people, people who are not mothers, are actually doing some stuff that undermines mothers. So uh, we really want to talk about this. So can you help us, first of all, I know that you've done a research with emergencies, but can you give us some examples of those emergencies and talk a little bit about uh, some specific emergencies and how they played out as related to breastfeeding? Sure. So um, unfortunately, emergencies are something that happen um, pretty they can happen pretty much anywhere. Um, and so I've been involved in emergencies sort of all around the world, in Asia, uh, in South America. Um, but I, I guess for your audience, I'll talk mainly about the uh, the ones in sort of developed countries. Um, <clears throat> and we've, we've had some um, very big emergencies in Australia. We had the Black Saturday bushfires where a couple of hundred houses um, were destroyed and, and people, um, there were lots of people who died as well. And I know you have these in the US and Canada as well, oh, yeah. where you have quite massive bushfires. Yeah. Um, earthquakes, the Christchurch earthquake in New Zealand, um, which was a, quite a large emergency. People there uh, often didn't have power for a month, two months. Oh. 
Whoa. They had cross-contamination between the, the sewerage pipes and the drinking water pipes. Oh, so they had oh all dear. sorts of problems there. Oh, dear. Um, the Tokohoku earthquake um, and tsunami in Japan. Um, and I guess one of the, the most recent emergencies that uh, that I've been involved in is the, the European refugee crisis, which mm. um, Europe hadn't had a big emergency um, for decades. Uh, then all of a sudden they had, uh, you know, a million people turn up from Syria and Afghanistan. Oh, right. Other places. So... Um, so there's a whole variety of emergencies. Absolutely. Um, the thing that characterises them is that uh, they usually come without warning or with very little warning. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to hear you talk because you have really gone almost around the globe here and you've specifically said that these aren't the only ones. The The ones that you've called out are the ones that are related to uh, the developed world. And I'd just like to say... Uh, for those who are here in the U.S., and we do, we have listeners who are literally around the globe, but of course, many here in the U.S. will remember that in 2005, we had Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans and the Gulf states. Uh, more recently, we had San Diego, the wildfires. We had the flood in um, Hurricane Sandy in New Jersey and up in that area. So I, I really want to impress upon people that these things can hit anywhere, and as Dr. Gribble just explained to us, anytime and with with very little warning, which is why being prepared is so important, certainly. So let's talk a little bit then about how do the emergency organizations, I'm thinking things like the U.S. Red Cross, uh, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, that is FEMA, uh, I'm sure that there are others in other parts of the world. How? What is their role as related to breastfeeding mothers? And can you comment on that a little? Well, I mean, that's an interesting question. Um, one of the problems that we have with emergencies in developed countries is that often we're not very well prepared in terms of the organisational structures uh, for the needs of infants. Um, In fact, when people have done audits and and they did an audit in the UK of emergency policy, um, we're in the process of doing an audit in Australia, we find that they're actually much better prepared in terms of the needs of animals than what they are for infants and young children. (laughs) So... So the result of that is that when you have an emergency occur, there actually isn't any uh, clear direction as to who is responsible for the needs of babies and what they need to do, which makes it very hit and miss. So, um, so if you have somebody in charge who's really aware of these issues and, and knows kind of already, without having had any training or thinking right. about it before, pretty right. much, what they need to do, uh, then you can actually get quite good support for the caregivers of infants. Um, but more commonly, um, and, and this is pretty much the same across the developed world, those who are involved in emergency planning and management tend to be middle-aged men. And... Mm. Um, right. And babies don't tend to be, or their needs don't tend to tend to be something that they've thought a lot about and hasn't been a priority for them. So 
so very often the planning that we get is is actually really poor and so the response is also really poor because you get good a good response from having good planning. Um, so most of um, organisations don't already have uh, relationships in place where they're able to know, okay, we've got an evacuation centre here, uh, we're going to have families with infants and young children coming. We're going to need um, somebody uh, whose job it is to actually assess the needs um, around feeding for those babies and then provide them with the necessary support. That doesn't happen. Um, and that's a problem because infant feeding really is um, what we talk in emergencies about as being a, a cross-sectorial issue. Mm, so it's sure. a health issue. You need yes. somebody who actually understands infant feeding, who's able to provide assistance to those who are breastfeeding and able to see what sort of um, assistance they need uh, in order that it's provided to them. You need somebody who's able to understand what it is that formula-fed infants need and ensure that it happens, that it's not just the case of handing over a tin of formula, um, that there's also a need for there to be uh, clean water, that there's a need for bottles or cups or whatever's being used to feed the baby to be washed um, and, and to provide, facilitate access to, to washing facilities. It's quite a, um, it can be quite a complex thing. Uh, and at the moment, what seems to be mostly the case is that um, breastfeeding women don't get any assistance. Uh, and those who are formula feeding might be given formula um, by caterers <laughs> so oh. without kind of the understanding that that uh, you need to provide more than that uh, to those people. So, Talk to us a little bit about cleaning the bottles because I thought that I read in one of your articles that some people were cleaning the bottles with small stones and these other sorts of things that just struck me really odd. Is that true? Well, I, I mean, because what I mean, what happens when there's an emergency and there isn't access to easy access to hot water and washing facilities, um, people try and work out, you know, how to do the best they can, oh, and yeah. and this is this is an area that that really um, I've found quite confusing. Um, when I was in Europe um, now sort of 18 months ago in, in refugee camps in Greece, uh, I was talking to people who were distributing infant formula to uh, the families in the camps there. And um, in a variety of camps, lots of people were distributing formula, but nobody was distributing detergent for washing. And... Mm. Wow. For me, it was obvious looking around because you could see sure. that there were lots of people who had bottles and you could see that they didn't have sanitation there and that washing was a real problem. Right, um, right. But, but nobody had really had really thought about that, about, you know, what do you actually, how do you actually clean the inside of a bottle um, when you don't have hot water, when you don't have a kitchen, <laughs> you know. Right, right. So... Uh, so I mean, I, so I did see. I mean, lots of people. It's actually what they how they do clean bottles is just in fact by putting cold water in it, shaking around, and tipping it out. That's that's the most common way I've seen. 
which is really inadequate. (laughs) Oh, most definitely. But what I'm thinking is, and we only have a minute or so left here, but can you maybe quickly tell us, was it your perception that people who were breastfeeding were also being given formula and were they likely to use it? Oh, that happens everywhere. So in any emergency, and probably we need to talk about that a little bit more, but um, but in any emergency, um, there's pretty much always people who are distributing formula, uh, and that's not necessarily a problem in itself, but it's the way that it's being distributed that's very problematic. Oh, Um, most definitely. And then that brings up the whole business of uh, the bottles, because if the mother had been breastfeeding instead of using the formula... That just wouldn't have been an issue, but I, I, I just got to believe that people will accept free formula when it's given to them. Well, this is a much bigger topic, so you know what? Let's talk about this when we come back on the other side of the break. Hey, everybody, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuzo. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with Dr. Carlene Gribble, and we will be right back after this short break. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. 
To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host, and I'm here today with Dr. Carlene Gribble. Dr. Gribble, before the break came, we were talking about mothers accepting formula, formula being distributed in a way that I got the impression that the formula is distributed willy-nilly. There's uh, probably no logic. I'm thinking that some babies might be older, younger, uh, is it is there any logic to this and what's the uh, the effect here well i mean you're right there there is a problem with infant formula distribution in emergencies usually it, it's actually people who are wanting to help those who've been affected by the emergency so uh, they know that there's babies they know that um, that babies that are formula fed are going to need to have uh, infant formula really quickly. Babies can't wait, um, and so so they want to do good things by distributing formula. Um, there there are kind of two issues with that. The first issue is is that. If the distribution's not done well, if it's also distributed to uh, those who are breastfeeding, then what I mean, what they think is going to happen is that people will only use infant formula if they really need to. But in an emergency, that is that is not what happens. And right. so what we've right. seen in emergencies is that uh, very often the emergency is actually a time when a lot of women will move from breastfeeding to formula feeding. Hmm. The reasons why they do that are, are actually quite complex. But one of the main drivers is, is that the idea that stress or lack oh, of food mm-hmm. or just difficult circumstances result in um, breast milk drying up right. is a really, really common belief. Yes, um, yes. And so, and there are good reasons why people would think that that's happening. So, um, the woman has lost her house or home. She may have had... Uh, she may be worried about her other children. She may be separated from other children. Very distressing circumstances happen. As a result of that distress, just the mother's distress can make the baby distressed. Sure. And so the sure. baby becomes fussy at the breast. The baby is unhappy, wants to be held all the time, um, wants to, to breastfeed all the time. The other thing that can happen is is that there's a hormonal interaction here. So... The hormone that releases milk from the breast is called oxytocin. Now, oxytocin release can be slowed um, and the release can be smaller when mothers are very stressed. Stressed. Agreed. Absolutely. So, So what happens there, there's actually no impact on milk production, but the flow of milk from the breast can be slowed when mothers are really stressed and distressed. And... Babies respond to that. They don't like the milk slowing. And so they can, can, again, become really quite fussy and want to breastfeed more often. And mothers interpret that as meaning that they don't have enough milk. 
Uh, yeah, as you so, were talking, I was thinking that's a misinterpretation. Yeah, it is, but it's a very it's a very reasonable interpretation sure, of what's going sure. on. Uh-huh. And that's where um, actually having people who are providing um, breastfeeding assistance can, in fact, make a massive difference. So this perception is not something that is limited to developed countries where formula feeding is common. Like this perception is limited. This perception is held all over the world sure. um, by women in breastfeeding cultures. Um, they believe the same thing. So just to just to give you a, a small, um, I guess, picture of, of one of those sort of circumstances, um, a colleague of mine was working in Myanmar after Cyclone Nargis, which was in 2008, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was working for an international NGO there providing um, breastfeeding um, counselling and also support for babies that couldn't be breastfed with formula. Um one of the women that she came across there had been giving her three-month-old baby rice porridge, um, which was a traditional um, food there, because she believed that she didn't have enough milk. The baby was really fussy at the breast. You know, things weren't going all that well. In fact, when she sat down and spoke with this woman and looked at the situation, it in fact turned out that her baby was unsettled at the breast because she had a massive oversupply of milk. Oh, interesting. Mm. And and in fact, that woman was recruited to be a wet nurse. Uh, uh-huh. So, um, so the, the emergency circumstances can actually be a, a bit of a filter through which any change in infant behaviour, anything that's going on can pretty much be interpreted as um, as being, I don't have enough milk, I need sure. to give milk something else so under those circumstances where you've got a mum who's already really worried about her baby and you give her infant formula of course she's going to use it accept it yes can and, and the result us? of that you know um yeah, well yes in an emergency circumstance can it, it's a it's a different the impact of that is different than different. it is in a non-emergency situation yes can you talk to us about the kits uh, what goes into the kits, how much they cost, that sort of thing. Are you talking about um, a kit for uh, for people who are preparing for an emergency? Is that what you're... Yes. Yeah, okay. I mean, one of the, the quite unhelpful things that, has, ha- that happens in this space is that people tell parents to be prepared for an emergency and to, pa- to pack an emergency kit. Um, but they don't actually tell them what they need to put in the kit. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll often just say things like, you know, food, pack food for your baby, um, which people think about, okay, well, if my baby's formula fed, then I'll pack a, a tin or, of formula, of infant formula, or I'll pack some ready-to-use infant formula in there without thinking about, okay, how am I going to feed this to my baby? How will I actually use this product if I don't have access to a kitchen? Yes. Um, and, and those sorts of things. And so for people who are preparing and packing a kit, and I really would recommend that, um, that anybody who's caring for a baby that's not breastfed have a kit um, already available, um, they need to think about what they need to put in there. And so it's not just about infant formula. It's also about ensuring that you have enough water. And when you think about enough water, it's not just enough water to actually reconstitute powder if you're packing powder in formula it's actually having enough water for um 
cleaning. to be able to wash and to be right. able to wash your hands and to be able to clean a surface to, to make formula upon because we have this idea of these resources that we just take for granted um, when you're feeding infant formula. So, but if you're in a circumstance where you don't even have a clean surface to to make it up on, that, that's something that you need to actually wipe down. So it is things like water, but also things like um, like wipes to wipe things down. So um, antibacterial kind of wiping, um, detergent, um, and. I mean, really, um, a large part of the difficulty in emergencies is where people are wanting to wash bottles. And so if you're thinking about, you know, packing a kit for three days, which I would suggest would be the minimum length mm, of time that okay. you want to have, okay. you would want to think about how many feeds that baby would want to have. And if you were you, thinking, I'll need to use a bottle, you would need to have enough bottles to actually have single use in the expectation that you may not actually be able to wash them properly. Um, really, in terms of practical, because most people won't actually use their kit. Really? <laughs> so, well, well, I mean, most people aren't going to experience an emergency. Well, that's true. So yeah, okay. you, you okay. put it there just sure. in case. In case. So, okay. Um, okay. <laughs> So, so unless you're in a very emergency-prone area where you get annu an annual emergency where you can expect not to have your usual, you know, electricity and, and water for, for a few days, you, you know, you're not going to need it. But that's why you prepare for it. Absolutely. It's, it's something that's unexpected and you don't know when it's going to come. Um, so in those circumstances, it may be that, um, you know, packing that many bottles is a bit of an issue and that you might instead um, pack cups which I know um, most people don't use cups to feed babies, but you can actually use cups to feed Absolutely. a baby. Um, and there, you know, you can very cheaply buy 100 plastic cups and you've got it there in your kit. Um, and if an emergency does occur, then you've got a way of feeding your baby safely. And then you don't have to worry about the dirty nipples and the contaminated water. And you've already right. said that cross-contamination is perhaps not common, but certainly can and does happen. Uh, before we go to break, and we've only got a minute or so here, could you just talk about how many diapers and how many wipes you would suggest uh, packing for that uh, emergency? Uh, well, enough to, to make your for your baby to last each day. And again, I would recommend that three days is the the absolute minimum. Um, I mean, it's going to when it comes to when it comes to nappies, it's going to depend upon how you know which the age uh, of the baby where, where your baby's up to. Right, um, right, you know, okay, I've just been sure. reviewing um, in Australia what they say in evacuation centres, and they say three nappies a day. I don't oh, think that's enough. That's not enough. No, no, no. no. So, um, <laughs> so, yeah, so you need to be just multiplying. How many do I normally use? And perhaps add some extra on top of that because uh, diarrhea is actually something that's oh, quite great in evacuation centres and those sorts of places. Um, so it's likely it's likely that the baby is going to go through more diapers, more nappies in a day than one usually would if the diarrhea occurs. And so that's just another complexity. Holy mackerel. Uh, there is just so much here that I think people just have not given adequate thought to. And when we come back, 
I would really like to take on uh, looking at some practical considerations. And uh, so I would urge everybody, don't go away. This is important stuff, especially if you're an aid worker. Please stay tuned. Dr. Gribble and I will be right back after this short break. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with Dr. Carlene Gribble, and we are talking about breastfeeding in emergencies. Dr. Gribble, in one of your articles, you very nicely laid out that there were really three times to consider prior to emergencies, during emergencies, and the recovery phase. And you specifically said that prior to the emergency, preparedness is important. So for instance, if you know that it's uh, tornado season or whatever it is, that you're going to help mothers 
to keep on breastfeeding but to be prepared. And I would assume that you're going to recommend some education there for them as well. But talk to us about during emergencies and especially, uh, well, I'll let you take it and then I'll interrupt if I need more. But uh, talk to us about during the emergency and how the greatest risk is really in that acute phase. Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, like I've said a few times, emergencies, um, even though sometimes we know that, you know, this is the emergency season because it's summer and the bushfires come at that time or it's the cyclone season, um, you know, some emergencies we can know kind of when they're going to be sure. coming. Um, sure. When they actually come, uh, even though we may have been kind of expecting them, uh, by their nature, emergencies cause chaos. Mm, and good so, point. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, right. So, um, <laughs> and that's kind of the the challenge is actually um, keeping everybody safe until we can get through to the recovery phase. Um, and so, and this is why babies are so vulnerable because an adult, you know, they can survive uh, for you know days with just water. So right. you can you can just um you or you could just have coke or whatever you know, like, <laughs> right 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 <laughs> you can actually just have not very much and you'll be fine um, but a very young baby you know um, a day without food is is actually very serious business indeed absolutely and so um, you know even half a day for a very young infant in hot weather is actually very serious business. And so ensuring that um, the emergency response is actually targeting those infants and young children is extremely important. A lot of the time how that can happen is with that sort of targeted breastfeeding support and support for formula feeding, but it's also broader stuff. It's making the situation so that those who are caring for infants are supported it means making sure that they have priority access to accommodation and food Mm. so that they're not queuing up for hours to get stuff when actually they need to uh, be looking after their baby Uh, because the big problem in emergencies the the thing that can actually um, result in, in infants becoming ill are infections um, so diarrhea and respiratory tract infections are the two sort of main types of infection that cause difficulties with babies in emergencies. Um, also, uh, help sorry, us with, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> uh, help us with this. In more than one of your articles, you have called for an active discouragement of formula distribution by the formula companies. Tell us why you think that and tell us what your alternative would be. Because now you've clearly said these babies need to eat. In fact, even a half a day is a problem, not only from the standpoint of the food, but also from the standpoint of the fluid. You and I both know that it doesn't take a baby very long to dry out. Uh, so, so that's a problem, but, but you have active, you have just called for the active discouragement of formula by formula companies. So talk to us about that. Well, so it's, it's the active discouragement of any donations of infant formula. Um, and we've got so much experience with this in emergencies. 
they actually cause more harm than helping. Uh, and the reason why is because they're usually excessive, so there's too much of the, of the donations. Um, oh. They're often of the wrong type. Yep. So people use emergencies as an opportunity to dump products. So we often get um, products that's expired or close to expiry date. Oh, um, it can be there, there's sort of like a confusion. The different stages of infant formula um, confuse people who are not used to dealing with the product. So they don't know the difference between a stage one and a stage three. Um, and so, you know, which is a problem, if a, if a newborn is given a stage three formula, that's going to not be good enough for them right. if it's right. over, a, you know, a long period of time. Um, and so, and to be honest, um, infant formula manufacturers do use emergencies as a way of increasing market share sometimes. Uh -huh. so, uh -huh. so they'll donate product and it's actually not really about helping babies. It's about getting their product out there and as a public relations opportunity because people see donations as being a good thing. And to be honest, donations are in kind of any sort in emergencies cause difficulty so we have similar issues with donations of pharmaceuticals. There's issues with donations of clothes. A lot of um, emergency organisations spend a lot of time trying to tell people, please don't give us stuff. Give us money. Right. Then right. we're able to actually buy what we need. And, and that's what's... And that's how it works best when it comes to infant formula. It's where organisations do an assessment of what's required. They purchase what's needed. They make sure that it's distributed properly because, and that's one of the big issues, when you do have excessive donations of infant formula, people find it really difficult to throw out formula. Mm. And so mm -hmm. what happens is they either distribute it um, to people who don't need it yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and you have that harm from babies who would otherwise be breastfed being fed infant formula or they hold on to it and they keep distributing it over a long period of time um, and often past expiry. And so, um, so it's really very – those donations really aren't helpful at all. Wow. What you really need is – organizations who are doing who have it on their radar that this is what we need to do um this is the plan that we've got in place to look after those babies and mm. so um donations aren't needed if people want to help they can give money and that will assist you mentioned the uh, inappropriateness of the formulas from the standpoint of what I would call age-appropriate formulas and also uh, yes. the idea that some of these were either expired or would soon be expired. But uh -huh. as you were talking, I thought about something else, which is, have you seen them also donate things that are not cow's milk-based? And I'm thinking about, like, for instance, amino acid-based formulas or stuff like that. Do they do they distribute those things? Um, yeah, specialty formulas get really? donated as well. Yeah, and so ah. in fact, I saw um, I've got a nice photo here from Europe from um, like it was a premature infant formula that was in a refugee camp oh, in France man. that had been donated. So um, yes, now you do get that as well. It, it's um, 
It really, and it causes chaos. It, yes. And it detracts from the, the aid effort because yes. um, a lot of work is actually put into attempting to control these donations and to reduce the harm that they're causing. Because, of course, you know, like we've talked about before, in order to safely formula feed in an emergency, it's not enough to give parents infant formula. Right. They also right. need to have access to water. They need water. access Clean. to infant yeah. They need all of these other things as well. But those things don't come with the donations. Right, um, Those right. things only come with a targeted supporting program for formula-fed infants. Yeah, uh, and I was just thinking here that you've said we are better off giving money and you kind of implied that that money should be given to the aid organizations. And then my question would be, who is training the aid organizations? Because they're probably a bunch of middle-aged men who don't really, um, how, how does that work? Well, yeah, I mean, this is where we, we do actually have a, a quite a big problem Um like I said at the very beginning of the show, there often aren't good plans in place. Yeah. And yeah. and this is where we, we really do need to have some change take place. And I would encourage, you know, people who are in emergency prone areas where emergency um where where emergencies happen regularly and where there are emergency plans they need to be talking to their local um, health services about, you know, how involved have you been in these plans? What are the plans in place for uh, babies? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and actually dealing with um, and actually working to get plans in place and to get collaborations between uh, emergency organisations and between the locals on the ground who have expertise. Because normally you don't, I mean, in, in lots of places, there are actually people already in the emergency, in the area where there's going to be an emergency that have expertise. Mm-hmm. If there's a plan in place to utilise those people, then you don't have a problem. It's only when there's no plan. And I know in lots of emergencies, people who have expertise, when the emergency has occurred, have gone and said, I'm here, I'm ready to help, um, but they're not taken up on their offer. Oh, because there was no plan, the relationship mm. wasn't set up before the emergency, mm. And, mm. and that's really what you need to do is actually get it set up before the emergency occurs. Oh, we have less than a minute left, but can you just tell us quickly, uh, is the same true for setting up shelters as well as helping people getting kits, that sort of thing? Is there, uh, can you just tell us, uh, uh, do they still need a better planning for the, the shelters as well? Oh, absolutely they do. Yeah, absolutely I would think so. Yeah. yeah, because hopefully you are getting these people to shelters. But as I have seen shelters uh, only in photos, not in real, but it just seems to me like there's just people are crowded. I don't know where the water is. I don't know how you would have a surface to prepare the formula, even if you had it. And then that brings up the whole idea of cooking pots and, and petroleum and all of that stuff. So, all right, look at everybody. We've got we've to go. But I will be right back with Dr. Carlene Gribble right after this short break.
What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with Dr. Carlene Gribble. Dr. Gribble, you've talked about so many problems and the importance of planning. You've talked about specific practical implications, but you've also talked about education and the downsides and the consequences and so much. But help me with this. None of us can do everything. So what would you say are some priorities for parents, especially if they know that they live in an area where a disaster is likely? What would be the priorities, maybe the, the two or three top things they should, should do? 
Sure. Okay. So, so the first thing would be is to factor the possibility of an emergency into infant feeding decisions. So, um, if you're in an area that has a seasonal emergency and you're considering, you know, should I stop breastfeeding my baby now or will I wait oh, for a bit longer? Right. Well, then thinking, you know, I'll wait until after the summer mm-hmm. or after the flooding season or whatever it is. Um, just in case there is an emergency because I'm thinking about what it would actually be like if I had to um, formula feed my baby and, you know, our house yeah. was cut off from civilization for a week. You know, yes. um, that, that sort of thing is the first thing to consider. Um, the second thing to consider is if, if you are formula feeding is to think, is to think about having that kit so that Absolutely. you've got the supplies that you need in order to keep your baby safe. Just to give you an example of, of what sort of things can happen, after the Christchurch earthquake, um, they had a ball water alert for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. But what they found was that 10% of people who were, um, there were 10% of people who were actually using unboiled water mm-hmm. to make up infant formula. Oh, jeez. Now, that would not have been because these were uncaring people who didn't, you know, loved their babies and weren't trying to do the best for them. It would have been because those are people who actually didn't have access to a stove and gas to do it in order to be actually oh. actually be able to heat water. So oh. it's thinking oh. about what would I actually need if I didn't have all of these resources that I'm used to expecting used to. to have at my fingertips. So that's the sort of planning that um that needs to go yeah. in place. And it's not enough yeah. to plan to have a plan, as we talk about here. Right, right, right. With, <laughs> you've actually got to have your plan and have the resources that you need and have the kit that you need to have. You probably won't use it, but that's okay yeah, yeah. because if you yeah. do need it, you've got it there. What about organizations? Carlene, if you were queen for a day and if you were the head person of one of these aid organizations, what are the one or two or three things that you would insist that they put into their uh, their training or their whatever? Well, I think they need to have organisations that are providing an emergency response need to have a specific plan dealing with the needs of infants. Um, they are a vulnerable group. They do require, they do have quite specific needs and they need they need at least as much planning as what you've got for pets. You know, they really need to think yeah. about these. Are, there are lots of babies. They are really vulnerable. Um, you need to think about what they need and make sure that there is some organisation that is in charge of making sure that parents and caregivers have all the support that they need. Those who are working within health departments, and I really think like in an emergency response, infant feeding should be something that is managed by those with health training. It shouldn't be managed by caterers. Um, so you want people within your health services to be ones who are actually advocating with the emergency services to make sure that there are good plans, that there's collaborations that have been set up. So when an emergency occurs, everybody knows what needs to happen and the right people are there to make sure that parents and caregivers are supported. Absolutely. And what would you suggest for maybe people like me, I'm a nurse, but maybe people like my next door neighbor who is a, a PhD researcher in business or some such thing. What can any of us do that would be helpful for our communities? Uh, how, 
what are the priorities? Um, well, when an emergency occurs, <clears throat> if you, like you and your neighbour, if you have another neighbour who has the baby, doing what you can do to, to support that neighbour with that baby is mm. a really big thing. Good point. Um, because uh, because the, when an emergency occurs, people are not thinking necessarily um, like they're thinking. Thinking is difficult and making decisions are difficult. And sometimes just saying to a woman with a baby, it's okay, you know, your house will get cleaned up eventually. But right now, the most important thing for you is to be there with your baby. Because sometimes, you know, we end up with babies in quite precarious um, health situations in an emergency, even breastfed babies, just yes. because um, they haven't been fed enough because their, their mother was taken up with, you know, cleaning the sewage out of her house from the flood or whatever. So providing that sort of support is, is really important. But, I mean, whoever's involved in emergency planning and response, I guess the, ma the main message is think about babies, think about what plans you need to have place don't just think about them as being small adults because they're not they're not they're absolutely not yes and also you just pointed out something really important which is that one-to-one -one support even if you have not uh, had any formal preparation or formal education even if you don't know anything about breastfeeding I would think that what you're saying here is first of all help that woman to have some degree of confidence in herself, some degree of understanding that right now the, the priority is her baby and uh, sort of pointing out that, well, it doesn't do any good to tell people not to get stressed. <laughs> you know, that just doesn't no, no, work. They do, get but <laughs> they do get stressed. Of course they but do. But do you know what? For, for babies, and I've found this when I've been talking to mothers who have been impacted by emergencies, they really worry about the well-being of their baby, but all their baby needs is them. So oh, long as they point. have them, they are safe and they are loved and they will be okay. And I tell women, you know, um, things are really awful right now, but it's not always going to be like that. So when you feed your baby, think about their good future. Think about the nice things that are going to happen. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that does help the milk to flow. Absolutely. But it also helps Absolutely. the woman to feel, you know, it, it actually has, you can see their body kind of just sink a little bit. They just yes. relax a bit. Um, yeah, it's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, and I think certainly we need to help people to understand that not only are they stressed, but the baby is stressed in kind of a different way, if you will, and that that closeness, that warmth, and all of those yes. good hormone things can happen, but it doesn't really happen when we hand them a bottle of formula and then say, oh, yeah, and there's really no way to clean the bottles here. And I think that you made so many good points about the downside of using the formula. But honestly, I've got to believe that a lot of that is just people take what's offered and they are afraid that they're going to run out of milk or run out of something. And I think that that's another, uh, that's another whole piece. Wow. Well, this... This goes way, way, way too fast. I would like to thank my guest today, Dr. Carlene Gribble. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on the show. 
Thank you so much, Marie. And yes, get prepared. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. And to everyone else, be prepared. We're going to have another show next week. Uh, I have something on my website for you. Please make sure that you visit us at mariebancuso.com. Please stay tuned for the next episode. And all of you, thank you for listening. Without you, we don't have a show. Thank you so much. Have a great week. And remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.